I want to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. We'll be there again, but uh, as you turn there, I want to tell you about a couple of things uh, that are important. Uh, One, uh, back in the summer, uh, really the spring and then moving into the summer, uh, our staff and then our ministry council, which is a group of about 30 people who are heads of committees and ministry leaders and all that got together and we talked about the possibility of of changing our schedule on Sunday mornings. Uh, And then uh, back in August and September, uh, many of you who were here during those weeks uh, heard about it and we called it the sandwich model. Uh, It looks something like this, uh, where we'd have an early worship service at 8.30. All of us uh, from birth uh, through senior adult would be uh, in connect groups together uh, and then we would have an 11 o'clock worship. And so if you remember and you were here in August and September or you were part of those meetings uh, back in the summer, uh, we had talked about uh, a, a target date of January 7th, 2024. Uh, Well, you notice today there's no date on that screen uh, because one of the key factors in us making this move or thinking about it uh, is the renovation of our 209 building. Uh, We call it the 209. Uh, It's the building at the corner of Shadow Bend and 518 right across there uh, was the first grocery store in Friendswood called Baker. And then it was King's Kids. um, And now it's ours. And so that's going to become our offices eventually. And when we do that, uh, this building over here, which is our current office, will be converted into uh, space for senior adults because most of our senior adult classes, uh, groups, uh, will keep Keep practicing that, right, Matt? Uh, uh, meet upstairs on the second floor, and so we want to try to provide them uh, an easy opportunity on the first floor to walk out. And so uh, those dominoes kind of have to fall before us to even kind of consider making some of these moves. And uh, if you've been to business meetings and those kind of things, you know that we're delayed on the 209 uh, thanks to an issue with the city that we think is resolved and an issue with some engineering that we think is resolved. So prayerfully, within the next month, construction will begin on the 209, uh, so you can pray about that specifically. And that will probably be complete by May or June uh, of next year. And so I want to ask you two things. One, uh, pray about our construction process for the 209 uh, because that has been going on for way too long. Uh, It was supposed to be completed in December of this year, and it hasn't started. Uh, And so be praying uh, about that, that we would get through all the hurdles that we need uh, for that to happen, and then pray that God would continue to give us wisdom on how we move forward uh, with our Sunday morning schedule and how to best meet the needs of of families, uh, particularly families with children. That's kind of one of the main emphasis uh, of this change and how we can all be in groups uh, together at the same time. And so continue to pray for that uh, as we move forward. So if you're hearing rumblings like, hey, what's happening in January? Well, right now, we're just going to continue with our current schedule uh, until some of these construction pieces uh, happen. The second thing I want to tell you about is last night uh, I want to celebrate something big uh, that you may or may not know uh, that you're a part of um, and our church has been a part of for 30 years. So last night over in our Family Life Center, uh, like 230 people gathered uh, to celebrate uh, the Inspira Resource Center, which used to be known as the Center for Pregnancy here in Friendswood. Uh, their 30th anniversary. Uh, and it was a wonderful time. Uh, and the Pregnancy Center actually got its start uh, right here in our fellowship hall. Uh, 30 years ago, 
the pastor of Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, along with Brother Fry, who was a long-tenured pastor here, and three other pastors and some folks in the community got together in, in Fellowship Hall and said, hey, we need to start this important ministry. And 30 years later, we're still celebrating uh, the life change that they are a part of in helping uh, women and men and, and children uh, with living and understanding uh, the precious uh, nature of life. And so it was a wonderful time. Uh, the keynote speaker actually uh, recited the book of Philippians, the whole thing, all four chapters. He just spoke it. It was pretty cool and amazing. Uh, and uh, so today, that's what I'm going to, no, no, I'm not going to do that today. Um, somebody did text me and say, hey, uh, you ready for tomorrow? I'm like, thanks, thanks. Appreciate the encouragement. Uh, we're not going to do that today. But, but I want you to know that every month our church uh, supports uh, the Inspira Resource Center financially. And so if you give to the church, uh, you're helping to promote uh, life and to promote ministry here in our community. And so uh, I'm through that. Uh, one of our own church members is on the board uh, of that. And many of you volunteer. Uh, half the furniture in their building was donated by our own church members. And so just a, a wonderful thank you uh, for continuing to allow us uh, by your giving, by your participation uh, to partner with important ministries like that. And so uh, we want to continue to celebrate those things that make an eternal difference uh, in our community. And today we're going to look at uh, how you and I uh, can live differently uh, than the rest of the world, uh, how we're called uh, to live very distinctly Christian lives. And so if you've got your Bible open, look at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 12 through 18, and it says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And here's my third favorite verse in the book. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent. It's a verse I need to learn. Um, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. So in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul begins this little section of his letter uh, with a, a significant statement and, and somewhat controversial over the course of Christianity. Controversial statement. Uh, he says to work out your own salvation. And so the challenge for us is to work out our salvation, not work for our salvation. There's, there's a keen difference there. We need to work out our salvation, not work for it. Our salvation is a gift of God, Paul says in a different letter. It's a gift. You don't work for a gift. You, you receive a gift. And we receive the gift of salvation by faith and faith alone. It's only by placing our faith in Jesus Christ that we receive salvation. 
He himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And so if we want to receive the gift of salvation, we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so once we've received that gift of salvation, now we have a life to live that is not our own. And and, and we're a new creation. And so he's calling us, God calls us to become like Jesus. And that's what Paul is getting at. We need to become like Jesus. He just gave us the example of Jesus. That he humbled himself, became a servant. He died, even death on a cross so that his name might be exalted above every other name. And so we have to hold this gift with great responsibility. And as Paul writes there, it's God who's working in you both to do his will. And so we have this beautiful opportunity as as the people of God to to have a divine human interaction. We, We get to have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. We get to talk to him, listen to him. We get to carry out his will for our world. He's going to tell us a little about what that means here in a moment. We get to have an ongoing interaction initiated by our creator that we now get to use to, to work out our own salvation, to experience the presence of God as we demonstrate the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus all around us. And so what does it really mean to kind of work out our salvation? Well, he gives us some very practical guidelines, some some ways to to live a distinctly Christian life. That's what we're called to do, live distinctly Christian, to be little Christ. That's what the word Christian means, to be a little Christ, to be Jesus with flesh on. That's who we are. And so he gives us several directives here. The first is don't complain. Don't complain. Don't grumble. Don't have a bad attitude. He, it's, this idea resembles the, the people of Israel back when Moses was in charge. And they were all fussing and complaining that Moses had brought them out there. And they're like, let's just go back to Egypt. Let's just go back to the old way. It was better. Yeah, slavery and captivity, so much better. Even though they had to eat this stuff called what is it? That's what manna, what is it? They didn't even know what they were eating. But God provided for them every day. And sometimes we get caught up in complaining. We complain to each other. We complain to God. We have a sense of never being satisfied, always armchair quarterbacking. You know what that is, right? You watch an athletic event and you sit in your chair because you're actually not good enough to be out there. You're not good enough to be out there. And so you sit on your couch and you tell them how poor they're doing, how badly they're performing. That's armchair quarterbacking. That's complaining at the highest level. It's not just for athletics either. Some of you that like these reality TV shows, you do the same thing. You tell all these women which guy to pick or not pick, right? And then you fuss at him or her whenever they pick the wrong one. And you're usually right, but they're all wrong usually. And and the idea here is he's talking about as we grumble and we complain about things that don't really matter. We're we're not in conversation about the authenticity of the Scripture, (laughs) 
We're not having disagreements over is baptism by immersion, that means going under the water, the biblical example. We're not having discussions with some of the other religions in our world about the triune God that we serve, the one God who is God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. We're not having those arguments, no. We're mad because these sound panels are beige and the ones in the foyer are gray or gray blue. Or or yeah, exactly. The chairs weren't set up in my classroom the way I wanted them. There are no more free donuts. Uh, I'll step off your toes now, but my favorite of all time was that the worship leader sings too close into the microphone. (laughs) This is my favorite complaint of all time. We talk about so-and-so did this or didn't do this. Or how come they, or he didn't speak to me, or she just walked right past me. And we act as if the world revolves around us and and we, we complain. That's why I joke a lot. If you have a complaint or you have a frustration about things around here, wait until Tuesday before you let us know. That's for our sake and for your sake. That, that the Lord would hopefully speak to you in that moment and, and determine, is this something that's worth really going after or is it not? And if it's still an issue by Tuesday, then it probably needs to be brought, brought up. And that's okay, because then we can talk about it and we can handle it because we're going to get to this next day, which is the no arguing. Don't argue. Don't question. The idea of arguing and questioning, depending on which translation you have, is, is about taking one another to court. It was people in the church actually taking their issues into the public arena. And so they were taking family matters and making them public. And what do you think that did to the testimony of the church? All it does is damage it. That that there's supposed to be unity among the believers. Paul even mentions it earlier in his letter. So he says the same things in his letter, just six different ways, all throughout these four chapters that we know. There's supposed to be unity, and so when you and I take our disputes publicly, it only damages the cause of Christ. Every church I've ever ever served, I've had someone from the community come and say to me, hey, I hear, and they give me a story. And most of those are not positive. Most of those are not positive. I hear this, that, and the other. Oh, really? And so then I have to reel it in. Now, there are occasions when it is positive. When, when Hurricane Harvey hit and we were doing all kinds of great things, uh, everybody was like, man, your church winner. We, we host seemingly every event in town uh, at our Family Life Center. People rave about it, and they're so thankful for us. But every church I've been in, someone has come to me and said, hmm, I hear this is going on. 
that's where we need to, as a church, take a step back and say, you know what? Family matters need to stay family. And we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we should handle things as a family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, so we don't argue and take things public. Why? Because God's called us to be blameless, innocent, without blemish. Blameless means above reproach. It doesn't mean perfect. It means that, that people can't hold something against you. They're, you're not to blame for anything going on right now. You're innocent. The, the word is pure. Most of us, when we interact with people who are not followers of Christ, they probably don't question your belief that, that you believe in Jesus. They probably don't question that. But what they might question is your act, are your actions. And so this word, innocent, pure, means to, to be exactly what it is, pure, like metal that's been refined, like wine that hasn't been diluted so that your actions and your words match. That's what it means to be without fault. Fault. Even as Jesus said to the 12 disciples that you would be as innocent as doves. Innocent as doves. It was crazy yesterday. I saw a little highlight, uh, a pregame for Texas Tech. And this wide receiver for Texas Tech, a bird flew through and he caught the bird. That's pretty wild, right? Thankfully, he let the bird go. But you think about the sort of the innocence of a bird. Now they just fly, uh, looking for their food, building their nest. There, there's an innocence there. That's what we should be innocent without fault, that our, our words and our actions match. Because a non-believing world will hear you say, Jesus is the way, but they want to make sure that you live, Jesus is the way. That they want to see it. And so when you live a life without complaint, without arguing, you, you live a life that's above reproach, that you actually, among a crooked and twisted generation, you live a life that is narrow and pure and worthy of honor. That's what he's calling us to. That's what it means to, to live a distinctly Christian life. It's the example of Jesus. That we wouldn't live like those earlier in his letter who don't put others first. That we wouldn't live like others and live in vain conceit. That we would allow love to abound in our lives. That we would be full of the knowledge of, of who God is. That we would live with discernment. That's, that's living a distinctly Christian life. That's what it means to, to sort of work out our own salvation. And then he calls us to shine as lights in the world. That we would be, as I wrote it, proclaimers instead of complainers. There would be people who proclaim the goodness of God and, and not complain about the carpet or the donuts or the temperature. 
that we would proclaim, we would shine brightly as lights. That, that word light in my translation, the word is actually star or splendor. And, and I think about that word star, you know, the sun is a star and, and it shines brightly. We all were awed last week when we had the eclipse and we got to look at our driveways and the shadows and it was really cool. Some of you got telescopes. It was awesome. But the sun shines brightly. And you know how far away it is? 93 million miles. It's almost as far as here to El Paso. But, but it, it's, it's, it's close. 93 million miles. 93 million miles away. Shines brightly. But, but do you know, it, if you took it out of the equation in, in our night sky, uh, the, the brightest star in, in our night sky is actually a star called Sirius. S-I, like Siri from Apple with a U-S on the end. It is 8.6 light years away. I, I haven't even converted. It's like 50 trillion miles away. But two other stars that are a little closer, only 25 trillion miles away, are Proxima and Alpha Centauri. They're 25 trillion miles away, and we can see them with the naked eye. How, how brightly is God calling us to shine? How brightly? So that someone who is far away from God, is far away, can see the reflection of Jesus Christ. I think about that idea of shining bright as a star. And back in my college days, there's this wonderful little group called Collective Soul that had a song called, there's the first ones, Shine, they had a title. If you just type in Shine songs, they're the first. And maybe the best. I don't know. But, but the, the lyric is, heaven let your light shine down. Yeah, see, some, some of you Gen Xers, you know it. You love it, right? It's great. And, and then the very next year, the very next year, this little group called the Newsboys Christianized that thing. And they came up with this cute little lyric that says, make them wonder what you got. Make them wish that they were not on the outside looking bored. Shine. Let it shine before all men. Let them see good works and let them glorify the Lord. Let them see you. And so this took me down a rabbit hole, this whole idea of shine. And so I kept looking at all the songs that had shine. There's like 17 songs. If you just kind of do a quick Google search, there might be more, but 17 that popped up. Uh, Dolly Parton has one. There's some others. Uh, Doja Cat, uh, for all you, you know, Millennial, or not even millennials, uh, Gen Alpha people. Uh, uh, but Meek Mill, who is a rapper, he has one. Uh, he got in a lot of trouble. Uh, he has a song named Shine. It's actually pretty interesting. It has one very bad word that's repeated a lot, so please don't Google it. Uh, but, but here's a guy who, who has been in trouble, who is very well known in the hip-hop world. But you know what? He, he's now an advocate uh, for, for those that are incarcerated. He's an advocate for them. I was like, hmm. But here's this song he produced a few years ago called Shine. And here's just a lyric that helps us understand the difference between shining the light on us and shining the light through us. 
because he's about shining a light on himself in this lyric. It says this, only a matter of time, it's dedicated, put it all to the grind. It's no roof so they can see me shine, whoa. Um, that's in the lyric. Um, it's no roof so they can see me shine. Whole city came out just to see me rhyme. Started, out off, started off in Impalas. I love, this is, a, this is a great line. Started off in Impalas, now it's DB9. So Chevy Impala, Aston Martin DB9. Uh, those are two very different cars. Um, in the Aston, he liked James Bond. Man, so good. <laughs> who he think he is. I don't know who he think he is, but he's a well-known rapper. That's who he is. But, but you see that? It's no roof so they can see me shine. Most of us, if we're honest, we do want the spotlight on us. Some of you introverts want it to be dark all the time. <laughs> but if we had a preference, we'd rather be the center of attention. And Paul is reminding the church at Philippi that we should shine like stars to reflect the beauty of Jesus. That we should shine by doing what? Holding fast to the word of life. Holding fast to the words of Jesus. Holding fast, fast to the truth of God. So that even when we're poured out like he believes he's going to be poured out, which means suffering. That's a that's imagery for suffering. Even when we're poured out in suffering, we can rejoice. We can be glad. We can know that, that our life hasn't been run in vain, just as he's confident that his own life hasn't been in vain. But he's lived for Christ. And when he dies, it's going to be gain. And so he calls them, urges them to the same thing. Don't complain. Don't grumble. Let your light shine. Shine brightly. In the beauty and the grace of God. He wants them to rejoice in their identity as followers of Christ. And, and, and to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. To, to experience that trust. That's what fear and trembling is. It's a sign of trust in the Lord. That I'm going to trust God with my salvation. So I'm going to move toward him as I live out my life. And I'm going to shine brightly for others. Reflecting his image through me. And so I will always rejoice and be glad. I will humbly serve others. I will love to overflowing. I will participate and be a catalyst for unity in the body of Christ. I will exercise discernment and wisdom. I will be pure because God has made me pure, not because I'm pure on my own. No, because God has made me pure, and so I'm going to pursue things that are pure and lovely. He comes back to that theme in a, a little bit later in the letter. But I want to I live out the character of God in my own life. I want to resemble Jesus Christ, the humble servant, who is my example. And so today, if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus, you, you feel like, well, maybe I'm part of that 
crooked and twisted generation. My life is all jacked up. It's crooked and twisted. Let me invite you today to receive the great gift of salvation. I'm going to invite you to receive that great gift. The great gift of salvation. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You simply receive it by faith. In a few minutes, Matt and I will be standing down front. We'd love to talk to you about what that means to receive the gift of salvation. And if you're here today and you're like, I I know Jesus, but maybe my life hasn't been very distinct lately. Uh, My star is a hundred trillion miles away and it's pretty dim. And and I need to to re-engage my faith. God is always ready for us to return. And so I invite you to be a person who returns, who shines brightly. Maybe there are things in your life that you're frustrated and mad about, that you wish were different. Turn those over to Jesus. I invite you to come and pray and just say, Lord, help me to change my attitude about all the junk in my life and all the things that I don't think are right. Help me to change my attitude so that I may be an example to others. God is calling us to live differently. And so let's do it today. Will you pray with me?